I'm Kayla. And I'm Lance. We are the Jaded Roses, and this is our Broken Mirror. Where we deep dive and take a really good look at ourselves, each other, and everything around us. Let's just hope we don't get any glass lodged somewhere unseemly. Alright, so this is uh, our first episode recording in quite a long time. Yeah. But it's exciting. Uh, We're starting a new little series, which we'll get to later. But this is also going to serve as our introduction to Pride Month. And since we are of the community, we figured we'd just take some time out. We know that this will come out a little early, but you know, Mm -hmm. Pride Month should be every month. (laughs) True. Do you want to go first? I guess. (laughs) So I am a homosexual male, pronouns he, him. That always sounds so weird to actually say he, him. (laughs) And I went through, like, a whole transitionary phase with my sexuality. I never really questioned it at all until I started high school. And then pretty much out of nowhere, I developed this really strong crush on a guy who was also in the high school band. We had interacted when we were younger uh, quite a bit, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, except for weekends, but never in like a meaningful way. It was just kind of like that we're stuck in the same place, so we might as well try to enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. kind of thing. And out of nowhere, it was just like, and now I want him? Question oh. mark. And so I struggled with that for <laughs> like two years. Oh, wow. And finally balked up the courage to just like slyly let him know. Cause, you know, I didn't want to like text him or anything and be like, uh-huh. hey, I like you. Oh my God. What did you do? I had actually gotten uh, one of my friends at the time. Her ex was by and she had me in contact with him trying to help me like walk me through <laughs> like the process. It was very excruciating because like, you know, I feel my emotions, but I don't like to walk through my emotions. I don't like to yes. explain how I'm feeling. I just want to feel it and then be done. Yes, yes. You are very much like that. So that was difficult. But I specifically remember eventually I got the courage and like I texted him, you know, I was trying to play it off and be cool. And then I let like one of my patented sexual innuendos kind of Mm -hmm. slip in there. And like he kind of seemed into it, but he did make it clear that he was like, like, I'm straight. And I was like, I mean, I I get it. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) However, that entire year, which was junior year, Mm -hmm. to this day, I haven't really gotten confirmation on anything about what happened. I don't feel like I need it anymore. I am who I am, and I don't feel this way toward him anymore. Mm -hmm. But it felt like he had me on a hook. Oh. Once he picked up what I was putting down. Yeah. Not in a sexual way, just as a matter of, hey, I like you. Mm -hmm. Okay. He seemed to text me out of the blue maybe once every three months and be like all like into me like he wanted me and then like the next morning we wouldn't talk until the next time he felt like he wanted to text me wow but every time you know i'd get like that quote-unquote clarification text the oh that was my cousin he likes to play like you know bullshit like that and i was like i'm getting 
I'm stammering talking about this because it, it's very anxiety inducing. But, oh. you know, for like a whole year, I it, it got really, really bad. And all the while I was in contact with my friend's ex trying to process all of these fucking emotions that I was having. And I actually oh. contracted IBS for like two or three weeks. I literally did not have a bowel movement. Wow. I thought I was dying. Yeah. I literally thought I was dying to the point where I was at my ripe age of 17 trying to write a will of like who gets my music collection and shit. Like I thought I was dying. Oh my God. No, in retrospect, it's hilarious. Oh my God. So my mom noticing because at the time we were staying at, uh, she was working at a hotel uh, a permanent stay hotel or a long stay hotel and they preferred that their employees like stay at the hotel especially if they work overnight which at the time i believe she did mm-hmm. so it was me her and my little brother all in this single hotel room you tend to really notice people's patterns when there's literally nowhere else to go <laughs> yes So my mom noticed that I literally wasn't going to the bathroom. She asked me if I was okay. And I was like, I feel like I'm dying. I don't know what to do. So she took me to the doctor and they diagnosed me with IBS. And the doctor was like, you know, take Miralax, uh, milk and magnesia, all this other shit. And if he doesn't have a bowel movement in like literally a day, you may want to go to the hospital. Oh. But luckily all of that worked. I won't give you any details. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's when I learned that this wasn't like a fleeting thing because it literally almost killed me. <laughs> so I really, once I got better and once I kind of like let go of that crush and finally realized like he's just, he's literally just playing me. Even if he's not meaning to, I'm being He's played. playing with your emotions, yeah. Yes, and I, I can't have that. Uh, at yeah. the time, I was still like a hopeless romantic, so I had all of these hopes and dreams, and I was Id- idealistic and gross. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I let that go, and I really sat down and was like, I need to figure my shit out. And like the the switch that got flipped was I was like doing homework or something. It was on a weekend. I don't know. It was sometime in my senior year. On VH1, I don't know why I had VH1 on because I really didn't like MTV or VH1 at that point in my life. But it yeah. was on. Okay. I guess for background noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they were the playing like a movie I kind of liked before. Oh, well in high school too. It, was, it may have been one of those trashy uh, VH1 dating shows like Rock of Love. Or... See, I think it was before I really ap- learned to appreciate that kind of TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I really can't say. All I know is that uh, their coverage of like the Maxim Hot 100 oh, came yeah, yeah, on yeah. and I literally sat and watched attentively all of it and there was just nothing in the downstairs region at all. Oh. And I was like, okay, I don't know exactly what to do with this information, but I have evidence. <laughs> True. So I really started thinking, and then I ended up developing another crush on a guy, and we ended up dating a little bit later down the line for like two weeks, and don't need to get into all of that, but it was kind of during that period that I identified as bi, and Uh. then when I started college, and actually like being away from everything, and kind of having my quote-unquote pick of the litter, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I noticed that girls just really didn't have my attention. If I interacted with 
a female, it was very platonic. Mm-hmm. And that's literally it. But put me next to an attractive guy and I will clam the fuck. I was going to say, you become a puddle. So I was like, I, I, I do believe that I'm gay. <laughs> I was the stereotype of like, before I fully committed to gay, I, I said I was bi. I feel like a lot, especially a lot of men do that prior to coming out as fully gay because it feels a lot easier because you're still kind of like in a way like while you're still questioning yeah it's easy to be like well i know i'm supposed to like women quote unquote exactly but i'm clearly attracted to men so i'll just say i'm bi and that's like a mitigator Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh no i've yeah i've i've heard tons of especially my gay men friends say yeah i was bi for like two weeks (laughs) right (laughs) Less than a few months, but uh, I'm better now. Yes. <laughs> I'm better now that I've rid myself of that bisexuality. Nothing wrong with bisexuals. It's just not me. Yeah. Speaking of bisexuality, that's what I identify as. Right. That's why I had to say nothing against. So I was allowed to make that joke. Without clarification. Yes. <laughs> So I do identify as bisexual. I started uh, noticing my attraction to women, specifically in like sixth grade, just because I started noticing how, not just like just how pretty, but just how more emotional depth was in women. Which you don't really, say. I know, and <laughs> that really attracted me. And so I was like, oh, okay. And but we're in the South, okay? So. When I was in sixth grade, I was living in Tennessee mm-hmm. and didn't know how to approach a girl who I was interested in. So I just didn't. <laughs> I, I literally think of all of those like tweets and Facebook posts. That are like, oh, I like your shoes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're wearing I... a great dress. <laughs> like, you want to go get some coffee? Yeah. No. <laughs> you don't get it. Yes, homo. <laughs> I was gonna say that was exactly me like I would one I'm a flirtatious person just in general and like I've put back on that a lot because people are crazy but yeah I've had those instances where I'm just like casually trying to flirt and then realize no she just thinks I'm being a nice woman to another nice woman all right (laughs) gotta give this one up (laughs) I had no idea how to talk to women and like I didn't feel like you you grew up in the south so it wasn't very um conducive i felt very unsafe a lot of the time when i would talk about my bisexuality like mm-hmm. i told my family probably in seventh grade that I was bisexual in the most chaotic bisexual way by means of i was having a nervous breakdown anyways uh. and i was like talking to my mom about how depressed i was and like how bad off i was mentally and then i just like skimmed in there in between sobs uh i'm also bisexual and she's like oh okay (laughs) we can't add fuel to this fire so okay yeah (laughs) they've never really talked to me about it like my whole family knows i'm bisexual Mm. but they've never really asked me about it they really do respect my privacy in terms of dating because i only would talk about someone i was seriously considering dating or um, thinking about bringing home that's when i would talk about them because then to me it's serious i don't feel the need to bring them into every single relation i have right because that's that's a different level of commitment and exposure yeah and so like i don't want to do that to someone until i'm there but yeah i was just i had no idea how to talk to women until probably i still don't college. know how to talk to men i got better 
well, like, I don't really have to talk to men. They just see my boobs and they're like, all right. And you have good. boobs? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have boobs. That one I like. But for women, I didn't really start learning how to talk to them until college. But I was very much the, like you were saying, like the typical, oh, I like your shoes. Oh, I like your. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, bitch, that's been three compliments in a row. Yeah. Pick up what I'm putting down. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, though. I've gotten a lot of free drinks out of it because mm. it was never the girl that bought me drinks. She would, the girl would make the guy that was flirting with her buy us both drinks. That's a long con, and I'm proud, even if it was accidental. <laughs> I was shocked. So I got drunk one night for free <laughs> at Play, which is a gay club, dra- gay drag club in Nashville. <laughs> It was fantastic. Yeah, so I'm I have never been in a relationship with a woman. I've only been in one relationship with a man. <laughs> so, you know, they're pretty even at this point for me. Very bisexual, strong here. And right. Super strong. <laughs> Super strong. I don't really know what else to say about it, like, because I it's not like I go around talking about bisexuality a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't really uh have relationships in general for the most part. Because I need someone who is emotionally mature, who knows how to communicate. So that eliminates a lot of people very fast. It should eliminate all those Scorpios you've been talking to. Damn, those Scorpios, man. I know they do something to you, but one deep water placement does not equate to emotional maturity. I know, but man. (laughs) Have you been with a Scorpio man? I cannot say that I have. You should try I don't know how that would work with my Scorpio moon. I don't know either. But let me tell you, as as someone who um, really liked to uh, date Scorpio men for a while, and I never knew they were Scorpios until later in like the relations, I would find out that they were Scorpio. I would be like, oh, this is a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a trend. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on with me, but this is... A pattern. I don't know what it is. It's not just like... I think it also helps that they um, are emotionally guarded. So I don't really have to worry about that aspect. That also does not equate to emotional maturity. I think that just gives you It gives me an out. A, a project <laughs> or an out. It gives me an That's out. That's what it gives you. I want an out. <laughs> <laughs> I know where it got me. I want the out. I don't fix bitches. <laughs> bitches come fixed. <laughs> I'll be sure to send some of my exes your way then. Yeah, I was going to say, your exes could do could do with a sense of life coaching for me. <laughs> they could. I know some of your exes. <laughs> yeah, it was just not, for me, it's not something I usually go around talking about. But because we are talking about pride, I feel like, you know, might as well make it known again. I am bisexual. I am here. All about visibility. Yes. And again, uh, I'm friends with a lot of people who are not straight, basically. <laughs> I know a lot of gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, demisexual, and then, um, you know, gender-wise, I know several trans individuals, and, you know, it's a process, like, they're all just human, they're all just trying to find love, become, you know, comfortable with who they are, just like anyone else who happens to just be cis or straight. That fits so well with our topic, but (laughs) we'll get there later. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't go around flaunting it either although if you get me drunk enough and usually around you uh-huh it's going to come out oh it's hella obvious there will be no question oh my god let's talk about how i knew you were gay and how no one else would believe me 
Can we talk about that? I do believe that's more of your story because I don't think it was ever really brought to my attention until I had like made it into the circle. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a small group of friends and Lance was slowly integrating into our circle. Uh, he was You were fighting in- it at the time. I was fighting it at the time. <laughs> that was for a different reason. It wasn't because of sexuality. Right. We've already talked about that. Exactly. You had several pins, buttons on your backpack representing uh, homosexuality, the rainbow, unity, whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And like, I would talk to our friend, like the small group of us about it. I would be like, yeah, Lance is gay. He's like, he's all all over him. He's gay. (laughs) He represents. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, he doesn't say he's gay, but his backpack says he's hella gay. Everyone was like, no, Lance is straight. I was like, no, you don't have three pins on your backpack and claim straighthood, okay? Get off me with that. And so, but everyone was like, I, the max he is is bisexual. I was like, okay, let's see. <laughs> and then, like, I forget how it came, I think it came out because, like, we were, like, I was so, like, insistent. I was like, he's gay, leave it be. He's just a gay man. And everyone was like, yeah. no, you're mistaken. This can't be right. I really think you just outright asked me. Yeah, I think I did. I think I did over margaritas or something because I yeah. wouldn't have done like, it. After we've had a few, you were just like, what are you? <laughs> but, you know, with a bit more tact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, and then um, it shocked everyone else at the table. I was just sitting there like, hell yeah, I knew. I didn't want this bitch in the in the circle, but guess what? I know this bitch is in the circle. <laughs> Fun fact, my backpack, that backpack specifically, mm-hmm. said a lot about a, me. Because I it had did. that backpack from freshman year through grad school. Jesus. And... I had actually, the buttons were a gift from my mom. It was either part of a birthday gift or she gave it to me like during June for Pride. Oh, that's sweet. I had put them on the straps, but before that, and I think I actually had the whole setup on there for a little while, but I ended up taking the big piece off. But I had a big piece on my backpack for like two years. Oh. And I mean, this will resonate a little bit for you, uh, especially if you listened to Lies for the Liars. Oh, yeah. The used album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bird and the Worm. Oh, sorry. Yes. I bought a fake heart, anatomically correct, and a giant safety pin, and I wore a heart safety pin to my backpack. You are so gay. And like, emo. Why am I like this? I was to say, I would have A, totally done that. That right there is like the notation of you cannot be straight. <laughs> if you were doing weird ass shit like that, so emo and pointed. I should have been a theater kid. You are not kid. straight. Oh I was my too God. shy to be a theater kid, but yeah. I should have been a theater kid. You would have been a good person in the background, like doing set setups or like lighting. You would have been good for that. Oh my God, we are fitting so well with our topic. I can't wait. But we need <laughs> to finish our pride topic. Yes. <laughs> so I guess that's just the thing. It's like, you know, if you're not ready to come out, don't. There is no pressure right. to come out. No one should pressure you to come out. I've only asked if I notice behaviors. So that way I could kind of help protect because... Right. Um, to be an ally. Yeah. Because we, we are a community, despite what some people would have you believe. 
yeah, it's just very much a, you know, a choice when you need to come out, you know, like I said, like, I don't even bring people home until I feel secure in the relationship. So if you are like that too, like there's nothing wrong with that to be perfectly frank. Like no one has right. a right to bring you out. And again, I've asked my friends before because I noticed patterns and I wanted to make sure like I helped if they needed help, whether that means just having someone to talk to because they can't talk to anyone else or they can talk right then, but me telling them like hey i noticed these things are you okay are you doing okay do you need to talk about anything like it kind of usually helped to at least tell them like someone is safe to talk to about this and you know i would hope i never made someone feel like they couldn't come out to me because i've had a lot of people come out to me but i would hope like no matter what i felt like i people felt safe with me to come out to me and i know you feel that same way at the very least do know that the jaded roses is a safe space and though our social medias may be public our email is private yes yes and if you did dm me privately about something it would say private unless you yeah. wanted it to be talked about it will say right. private so don't feel like you can't reach out. Like, we both have different experiences as bisexual versus gay, man versus woman, you know. And we have other people in our lives who we can also ask for advice to help you through it. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't be afraid to reach out to us or someone safe in your life that you feel like would keep a secret if you need them to just be a ear to listen to you. And there's a lot of different programs that you can reach out to if you need to talk to someone and try and understand the process and processing the emotions associated with sexuality. And don't be fearful. Like, everyone goes through it. I know people who are still actively going through it in their mid-30s, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, There is no such thing as a delayed onset. When it wants to come out, it's going to start coming out. Yeah, and it's okay to be a late bloomer. Like, I was, um, I follow someone on TikTok who came out like two years ago and realized mm. she was a lesbian and she had to tell the man that she had been married to for 10 years, I need a divorce because I'm a lesbian. And they had to have that discussion with their kids. And so it's like, you know, everyone goes through a different process and there's nothing wrong with any step you take. Just like there is a wrong for a career, any step you have to take, there's nothing wrong with taking different steps. For your sexuality and feeling safe and comfortable in your life. Yeah, as long as you uh, feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. You do you. Yes, definitely. And again, we grew up in the South, so we understand extreme prejudices and feeling very unsafe. Like, I felt unsafe to the point where I didn't go to some protests because I felt so unsafe and nervous about what could happen. And I was not ready to, like, have my face associated with sexuality at that time yet. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot going on in that. So, again, like, there's nothing wrong. And if you don't feel safe, you know, don't come out. There's nothing that's forcing you to come out. Get away from the situation. And then you can explore your sexuality safely. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there anything else we should talk about for Pride? Ooh. I mean, I've gone to... Actually, have you ever been to a Pride Festival? Uh, not an actual festival. I did go to the town I went to college and we went to grad school with uh, their first Pride because that's like one of the first times that we hung out. I was going to say, have we talked about that night? I mean, not on the podcast yet. Should we talk about that night? I mean, it's a, it's a joint story for us. I was going to say, it was kind of a magical night for our friendship. Like, it was very, very early stages. Like, you had just started warming up to me. 
Yes, I it was because I didn't invite. I didn't. Our mutual friend said, "Let's see what Lance is doing." We have been drinking, and I, he she was like, "Let's see what Lance is doing." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so to set the stage for the entry, my part was that my other best friend, Brian, and his boyfriend at the time were coming into town. Well, Brian was coming into town because his boyfriend was going for a master's degree. He was coming into town uh, to see his boyfriend uh, hang out with me and for us to experience Pride together because he knew that I've never been to any sort of Pride festival. And it was... The city's first. Well, yeah. I say city. The town. The town's no, first. It was the town's first. I was shocked when I heard right. that. And they had like a mini parade, I believe, that went around the town square mm-hmm. and a few other things. But the highlight and the thing that I was most excited to experience, because it would have been my first time or was my first time, and what Brian was most excited about experiencing was the drag show at one of the local restaurants. Yes. And we went and got in there and it was just, you know, a grand old time. And that's when I got the text from our intermediate friend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'm just at the, this restaurant, you know, watching a drag show. And then I think it was like less than 15 minutes later, y'all were there. <laughs> yeah, because, okay, so for us, again, I, you know, she said, let me... Let's text Lance to see what he's doing. I said, okay. Uh, you told us that it was a drag show. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, drag show. I was like, damn, I'll I'll go anyways. And so it made me more excited to go because I could see drag queens. Because I had right. seen drag queens in over a year at that point. I was like, I need to see some queens. I need some drag in my life. I need some drag in my life. It would have been her first time seeing drag queens too. Mm. And so I was like, you've never seen a drag queen? And she was like, no, not only on TV. I was like we fixing this <laughs> now yeah <laughs> so um again we had been drinking i think we were around the square at that point anyways mm-hmm. and so found you and i think we told you to come outside because we couldn't get tickets in because it was all closed up right you came outside and i think brian came outside with his friend too at some point yeah because i think we had been out there for a few minutes Yes, because that was also when she found out that I smoked, and she was yeah. like, "You smoke?" <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. I was like, "Yeah, he smokes." And she's like, "How do you know that?" I was like, "How do you not know that?" <laughs> I mean, I'm stressed out all the goddamn time. I probably reek of it all day. I was gonna say you don't reek of it, but I, because again, I grew up with a chain smoker. Basically, my sister smoked nonstop. She would smoke one right after the other, so I knew the various stages of a smoker. Mm-hmm. A, you had nice cologne on, but I knew men don't usually have such a nice, heavy set of it on unless something smelled weird. And so I was like, he doesn't smell weird anywhere. It has to be cigarettes. And then like one time, like you something you did whiffed by and so i smelled both the cologne and the cigarettes i was like and you were like it's the cigarettes <laughs> yeah because again like if you're not someone who is around a smoker you wouldn't you would never detect it on lance you never would i only detected it because i am a pro <laughs> and knowing a smoker and so you came out and i forget what even happened i know she was very drunk and she was shocked mm. anytime we saw a drag queen. She's like, no. Right. The just shock and awe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a five-year-old scene, like a Barney for the first time. No. <laughs> but multiple times, because it was a multiple queen It was a show. shock every time. 
It was a shock every time she saw one. Even if she just saw them because they came out for a smoke break and they were going back in. She was like, oh, I was like, you just saw her. You just saw her. It's okay. It's okay. They know they're in drag. (laughs) Yes, they did in fact leave the house like that. It was just so funny to watch someone. I I rarely got to experience where someone uh, didn't know something so evidence so it's just like it was so fun to watch someone experience it for the first time genuinely but that just says to all drag queens you know your work is meaningful and it's drastic and dramatic and it's an impact on people when they first see it so do you your artistic because that was also my first live drag show y'all just didn't get to see my reaction but also i didn't i didn't react like that I forget that that was, you said that was your first Pride in general, because mm-hmm. I had been going to drag shows since I was 18. Like, as soon as I turned 18, me and my friends went to play, which is drag show of gay club I mentioned. I went, like, every six months, I went there at least once. Like, I was always going there. <laughs> so, like, it was just a foreign concept, but, like... You know, where we went to grad school was very small town. And, like, mm-hmm. you grew up in smaller towns anyways. I get, I definitely had a privilege being able to go to a safe location and experience sexuality without hate being spewed. Right. It's just something I always forget that I just had that privilege. And, like, you guys didn't. You guys were just shocked and, like, awed at a small town pride. Like, how did you feel that that night? Because, like... I know Brian was shocked by that night. For multiple reasons. <laughs> so let's get into some of that. Yeah, I do believe that after the show, we bar hopped for like another three hours-ish. Yeah. Um, Until the bars closed. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't remember much about what happened after the show until we were getting in the car. Yeah, that's fair. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about what happened at the car. <laughs> so through whatever mystical magic spell (laughs) was cast over us as a group we were losing it right when we got to the car everything just like opened and kayla went from hating me to loving me and she loved brian had never met him before we exchanged facebook info we exchanged Mm -hmm. phone numbers Mm -hmm. and yeah let's let's go specifically (laughs) into what i what did i do to brian to get his info (laughs) Um, she literally hung through the car window. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming something along the lines of, you can't leave until I get your number. (laughs) And then I think I screamed, I think I banged on the window and said, add me on Facebook! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. And that's I, when I knew for sure that you were fucking insane. <laughs> I don't I don't remember anything about our conversation that night, but I do nope. know that night is when I started falling in love with you. And oh. it was magical. Whatever switch got flipped in those few hours. It really did. And I think it was big, I truthfully think it's thanks to Brian because I think that was enabling you to show more of yourself to me. I can definitely agree with that because even though now I am my most authentic self with you, I am not like you have to be literally around me for a long time before yeah. you see the real me start to come out. Mm-hmm. And Brian and I had lived together for three fucking years. Mm-hmm. So he had no choice 
but to see the real me and having him there after after having a period where he was not there Mm -hmm. really helped me like be there rather than putting on a face yes and i think that's what happened i think that's why i was able to fall in love with you so easily that night is because brian was there and he could bring you out a little bit more than you usually are because again like i i was liking you before that but it wasn't like i understood you outside of work to a point where I was like, yeah, he seems like a cool dude to hang out with. I was just like, I have no idea what he's like. So it's really interesting, too, because like like we're saying, like now we're we are so close. Like I spent one night uh, like last week or the week before where I called Lance and I talked to him for five hours. It was six. I went on for six hours <laughs> going through a mental conniptions over multiple things. And he listened to me the whole time. I haven't participated he even did <laughs> we have similar experiences so you were awakening things <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was like it was so emotionally draining and i was just like i don't understand anything in my life so it's really interesting to see how we started versus where we are now where you and i will text for hours or like we've literally been tiktoking each other for hours Every night, every morning, I think I wake up to <laughs> at least 15 from you. I was going to say, I, I uh, opened my phone today. I was like, oh, there's 14 only, huh? That's not bad for only 24 hours. <laughs> I was shocked See, it was I not knew, I knew you had a date and I was trying to be respectful. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a date. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I love TikToks. They're so easy to watch. But yeah, it's just so interesting to not only see where we've come from, but like like you and I are both still learning about each other's um, history in uh, different ways too. Because like, mm-hmm. even though like I knew you've been out for a while in some capacity, like I always forget how late in high school you came out basically. And that's kind of stuff like that. Like I just forget like those things. And I'm just like, wow, yeah, he did do that. And we have so many similarities, but then we have so many moments in our lives that drastically affected us. And it's so fascinating sometimes to just watch and be reminded of how different our backgrounds are. And now you're stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least now I know I can bug you for like a kidney possibly, but I could never bother you for a liver. Like based on just our history and our years drinking together, right. both like, of us no, are fucked. I know that I know that bitch's liver's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if he won this moment's well Lance tested, I was like, why did that bitch test? He knows his liver's not good. And he knows I'm not going to accept that because that bitch is dusty at this point. It is <laughs> corroded. It is bad. Like, I don't give a fuck about that liver. That liver is soaking in 99% ethanol. That is soaked. <laughs> I would just be more upset that you wasted their time. For that joke. <laughs> right. I'm over here in need of a liver, and you come over here. <laughs> Give and me waste that false time. <laughs> I would be so pissed. I would be so pissed. Because, like, I, and that's the thing, because, like, I know I could, like, count on you for anything, and it's magical in that way. Like, we are very safe for each other, and we've been very safe for other people, and I love that about both of us as individuals. Yes. Because, like, we've never really fought. Because I was thinking about that the other day. We've never really fought. We've like, had, we've, like, brief had... word exchanges. But usually once we let the bitch out. Yes. For, like, 
two seconds, it's completely done. Like, there's just nothing left to do with it. I was gonna say, that's what I was gonna say. Like, even if we say something bitchy at each other, we're both just like, what the fuck was that about? I know that shit's not real. So what the fuck are you trying to say? (laughs) Who are you channeling right now? Because that's not you. Exactly. So we're just... So, and I love that because, like, we allow the bitchiness to happen, but we're also like, nah, something else is either happening or you have an issue with me you need to talk about. But we talk about this. (laughs) We don't don't do the other basic bitch thing. We talk. (laughs) It's not my fault you're hurting. Just tell me how you're hurting. Yeah. Tell me how you're hurting so that way I could help or at least listen to you. Don't be a bitch just to be a bitch to me. I think that is mostly a me thing and I do apologize. I was gonna say, even then, though, I don't think... I think you only got that way when it came too close to you. So, like, if I made a comment about one of your relationships and told you, like, I just saw it was unhealthy or something like that, you know, you didn't want to hear that. So it was like... Can't imagine why. I know. A cancer doesn't want to hear that they're in a toxic relationship that they're supposed to fix the other one in. Are you kidding? Fixing him. (laughs) Yeah, that's always pretty much it. You were just like, "It's he's working on it. It's fine. He's working on (laughs) it." It's usually we are working. Yes, yes, we are working on it. That was my fucking mantra, like from college through grad school. I was going to say, I think I called you out a couple of times saying, well, what is he doing specifically? Like, you're saying we are working on it. doesn't matter. We are working on it. Let <laughs> us handle sp- our shit. I think that was exactly your response. I was like, no, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, with regardless of where your, he- your sexuality is or your gender expression, you need to be in a safe relationship with the other person. It truly doesn't matter how you identify. As long as the other person is safe, they make you feel good about yourself, you make them feel good about themselves, you are both equal partners in life. Those are the things you need to be, you know, searching for. But the toxic radioactive shit that some people in this podcast decide to go for, it's just not necessary. Kayla, why do you do that? (laughs) Chasing after Scorpios, you know you're never going to break through. (laughs) Bitch, I know they're not emotionally repressed. I want them that way. That's how I like my men. I don't want They don't need fixing. Nothing's broke. <laughs> and if there is, I'm leaving. Working as intended. You know, I always feel like when people talk about pride, you know, we always like to talk about the positives, which is, I love talking about the positives because, you know, representation is extremely important and showing where improvements and progress and glass ceilings are very broken is always positive. But I also like to bring up the fact, like, no matter your sexual identity, there's a lot of people who love toxic bullshit in relationships and for some reason like to repeat it a lot. Relationships are relationships are relationships. It doesn't matter the genders involved. No, and like that's why I'm saying like the important thing is to be safe. You know, if you're not safe, you know, contact someone you trust. Just like if you were trying to come out, you know, if you're a man being abused by a woman or you're both men and one of you is being abused, like you need to seek help. It doesn't matter your gender expression or your sexuality. If you need help, you mm-hmm. need to seek that help. And so I want to always make sure like people also understand that. Like we know, like we've talked about our relationships, you know, emotionally repressed over here and then Mr. Fix it over on the other side. <laughs> and so <laughs> I know I can. <laughs> I know deep down my cancer roots, I can do this. <laughs> But, um, you know, we, we've we have discussed, you know, our unrealistic uh, 
unhealthy aspects of relationships. But, you know, I've been always very thankful that it's never been serious in a way of, like, I've been abused in any way. But that doesn't mean, like, others I know haven't been abused. Always find someone you can trust, find someone you can talk to, and, you know, always have at least one person you feel extremely safe with in your life. Even if you don't think you're gonna like them, because everyone likes them, and they think you suck because you're a woman, and he's a man, but you both do the same things, you know, find that person for you. Find that. apparently that's the purest kind of love. <laughs> that is true love. <laughs> Spawned from absolute no reason hatred. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, you know that bitch that when she walks in the room, and you just go, ugh. For no reason in particular, it's probably that's your that bitch. One. <laughs> that's your best friend, bitch. <laughs> that's your soulmate. Oh lord, <laughs> I've been read more times tonight than I would care <laughs> to have been read. You've read me several times. I think we're even. I know. Okay. Well, we'll call it even, even if it's not. Fucking cancer. I'm not cancers. saying that it's not because I haven't been keeping count. I literally haven't. Fucking but, cancers. Well, we're going we're gonna to call it even. <laughs> All right. So with the pride talk out of the way, we'll go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Oh my God. Potatoes. Mostly potatoes. Oh. So in keeping with pride, but also with one of our favorite shows, getting a second season that should be coming out over here in America next month. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess technically July because you're going to get this at the end of May. But whatever. We figured we would take the entire month of June to talk about this show. So if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Also, you need to go watch it. Yes. The name of the show is Stars. That is Beast, A-R-S. And it is a Netflix show. And I know Netflix has made some questionable choices. Mm. We can't condone pirating the series. But, you know, if the shoe fits. We understand the choices in life. Right. We both immensely enjoyed the first season. We cannot wait for the second season. Yeah. So we revisited the first season and we're going to talk about it with y'all for the next month. So hopefully our listens don't tank. (laughs) (laughs) But if they do, that's fine. That's fine. If you haven't seen Beastars, just as uh, an introduction, it is an anime originally from Japan. That's why uh, we say it's probably coming in July, because that's when Netflix says it's probably going to come. It's basically set in a high school, and all of the students are one animal or another. And the three main characters basically are just trying to navigate their lives as either carnivores or herbivores and trying to make sense of the world. We will get into things that happen, but if you haven't seen it and you're interested in watching it, I do suggest doing so before continuing the rest of this episode and the next few episodes. And I just want to point out, because this is going to be another major playing factor with the show, is the fact that they're all basically vegetarians. They don't yes. eat meat. Yes, we, which we will get into. Yes. I just wanted to make that a point of their society. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's not like a, a Nat Geo thing where no. they're just like... And now it's entire chaos at the high school because all the lions are eating everybody. It's not that kind of show. No. And that's why I wanted to point that out. Like, that's how, um, that's one of the, like, agreements on how they peacefully interact with each other and meld into society together. The carnivores specifically have very curated meals Mm -hmm. so that they get all the protein that they need. 
Yes. But, um, so, in keeping with the Pride theme, uh, today's episode is going to start by focusing on uh, the homosexual undertones of this this season. (laughs) It isn't, like, a huge in-your-face kind of thing, unless you're looking for it. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, and it's definitely not a focus of this season, but, you know, Pride's here we figured we would use that as a kind of transition. And then we'll talk about sexuality as it's represented in the show in general. And that will lead us into our first character study. If you've seen Beastars, you know who we're talking about. I would like to say, first off, that during the season, they repeatedly use a very specific word for when a carnivore attacks a herbivore. Because they, they almost never use the word eat no. for it. If it's eat, they're talking about eating their meals at school. They use the word devour. And when it's used as, when they're talking about it in like a crime kind of sense, they always call them devourings. Yeah. And I did want to get in initially and say that the real world correlation to that most obviously is murder. Yeah. But as we'll see as we explore, also included in the metaphor could be sexual assault. Yeah. So, yeah. guess we got our next trigger warning. God, there's so many PSAs and <laughs> warnings in this one episode already. Fuck. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we do this every time to ourselves. <laughs> With all of that out of the way, and we'll probably reiterate that uh, next episode when we talk about our next topic, as well as later on in this episode when we talk about our specific character study. But right out of the gate, I wanted everybody to... Make sure we have in mind that's the real world correlation to a devouring. Back to the fun and games, talking about homosexual undertones in this season. And uh, my God, how how much do I have? <laughs> I have three paragraphs. Oh my God. On homosexual undertones. I'm interested to see what points you came up with because we did not collaborate on these notes at all. No, we did not. So what is your first point? I guess my first point is just a general, like, big pointer probably you also have. It's just Legoshi and Louie. Yes. Anytime that they are alone. Yes. That was my first point, too. Yes. I did come with two specific examples because okay. it's pretty much the only time that they are in a room closed off together without other people immediately near them. And I don't know exactly what it is. Does Louie have an office? Is that what that is? He has, um, he is the star so he has a dressing room, sir. I mean, like, I <laughs> I also wanted to call it a dressing room, but then you have the backstage dressing room. I guess he just has his own because he's He has his own Louis. because he's the star. Okay. So I just wanted to get the terminology right. He's the starlet. Oh, yes. Full on diva. And we'll get into all of that, too. The two examples I have are in his dressing room. So the first is, to me, the more interesting and we can explore. This is one of the points that I was talking to you before, or I alluded to before we got on. I was going to say, is this a mouth? That's the second time. Oh, okay. Which is also interesting. I love but that to me, one. The first one is more interesting. Okay. So in the first one, you know, that's when he they meet for kind of like the first-ish time, and Louis says, I have like a project for you. And he reveals that he wants Legacy to make sure the suit or the costume for Tem's replacement is fitted Perfectly. by tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yes. And he also wants uh, Legacy to act as lookout for when he and Zoe go rehearse later that night after hours. Mm-hmm. 
And as like she is kind of dealing with all of this, he tries to excuse himself multiple times. But one time he tries to excuse himself and he starts to leave and Louis grabs his tail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, at first, that doesn't sound very sexual, but there is another instance later on that we'll get to in the general sexuality discussion that proves my point. Oh, okay. But, and then he, in keeping with the devouring, kind of equaling a sexual act kind of thing, mm-hmm. says when L- L- Legacy wants to not be lookout, he's like, oh, but if I offered you one of my legs, you would salivate and do whatever I wanted, right? Yeah. And that's, if that doesn't radiate some big dick bottom energy, right? I, <laughs> I don't Ooh. know what does. Like, right off the bat, he's just like, uh, if I if I let you eat a part of me, would you do what I fucking wanted? Ooh, let me just tell you, um, <laughs> when we get to general sexuality, uh, I got some notes on that, too. Uh, oh, I'm what? sure you do. <laughs> I went full on ham with the homosexual undertones. As I you love can tell, it. I have three paragraphs. Yeah, you have three paragraphs. <laughs> um, but we can also talk about the second time that they're alone in Louis' dressing room. Yeah. I would love to. When Louis just loses all of his cool and shoves Legacy into the wall, grabs him by the neck, makes him bare his fangs, and then shoves his arm into his mouth and yells at him to bite him. Yeah, that shouldn't turn me on. Again, it's, it's <laughs> big dick bottom energy. Oh my god, it really is. Like well, power bottom. And in that scene, Legacy yeah. is just the softest of tops. He's a soft dom, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to hurt you. I'm not supposed to bear my things. Oh my god. Oh. But yeah, literally any time Louis and Legacy are alone together is just like, if I had to point out to somebody any sort of like accidental question mark, homosexual undertone, it would just be like, right here, this, watch it until you memorize it. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, and that's the thing, it's not even alluded that there's romances, romantic feelings between the two, but it's so suggestive, their movements towards each other, their actions, and their manner of speaking towards each other is so suggestive, and it's yes. so powerful. And that's included in one of my, my like, my last point, because my last point's a lot longer. Okay. Not about, specifically, Louis and Le- Legacy, but, like, I also went in on Jack, <gasps> yeah, I would talk about Jack too. Cause it's it's definitely not heavy, but I feel like there is there's something there. I know they've known each other like all their lives, and that is understandable. He yeah. wants to be there for his friend. That is mm-hmm. awesome. That's cute. That's very golden retriever. Oh, so you think it is a homosexual undertone between the two of them? I don't think Legacy sees it. No, no, but like between from Jack's perspective. I feel like Jack um, maybe has some repressed sexual feelings for him. Like, he doesn't want to act on it. He's probably not comfortable with it if he is feeling it. And he also knows that Legacy wouldn't be open to it. So he's not, you know, he's channeling it through just being emotionally supportive. So I think that's very interesting because I did not see the same thing. I, like, I saw sexu- a sexuality in there, but I actually thought Jack was asexual. Okay. So I thought he was more leaning towards asexual, but that means he could still be romantic with someone. But I don't think right. he really, like, he didn't really expect sexuality. He expressed romantic 
essence. So it still matches okay. with like Jack having a crush on Lagoshi because that doesn't mean you can't have crushes on people. Because I felt like Jack was so much more neutral, and that's why I was like, I feel like yeah. he could be like a bi romantic. So that means you're romantically interested in both men and women, any gender basically. And then, mm. or he could be homo romantic, which means the same gender, the same uh, romantic feelings. I yeah, I didn't. I felt like Jack was so neutral where it was more so i felt like he just didn't really express sexuality in that way i think i th- I agree I with you that he has a crush on lagoshi though okay i agree on that but I, I see where you're coming from but yeah. i will add yeah add one particular scene okay when he finds the rabbit porn i feel like there is just the slightest tinge of jealousy i okay so I like that you bring this up because I guess for me, I interpret it as jealousy for the fact that Lagoshi was interested in someone or something else. But mm-hmm. I also felt like, which we see throughout the show, there are prejudices in the society still against carnivores, right. against herbivores, especially them getting together romantically. So I think in that way, Jack may have also been fearful for his friend because he was going to be doing, he could be interested in doing something that was so against the grain in society for them. Okay. Now see, and I also feel like, and I will admit that I might be fishing for the sexual connection with Jack, Mm -hmm. but I am glad that we agree that more than likely there's a little bit a a little bit of depth to it yeah i think there's an emotional crush there i just don't think i think the way jack is uh portrayed so much is just so neutral overall that's why i'm saying like i think he's actually he could be representing asexuality in that way again though i think he has a total crush on Lagoji. yeah i think jack is just more asexual and biromantic most likely I feel that. I think he's a hopeless romantic. And again, with the rabbit porn, I think that was major concern for his friend. Because again, interspecies, um, especially inter, uh, like, feeding. Yeah, I guess. That's what I was trying to figure out. Interborean and inter-eating systems. I think, because it's so taboo, I think he was also just... Because, like, they're 17, Legitimately too. concerned. Yeah, yeah, he was legitimately scared. It's kind of like, like we've talked about, well, like we talked about earlier, growing up in the South. Like, we were scared for our friends and for ourselves sometimes if we got into certain situations or certain people found out about our sexualities. Like, it's the same kind of fear, just very different because he's also worried. Well, I guess not different because he's also worried that Lagoshi will act on it. And so he would be targeted in society by someone or something. Well, definitely feel that. I'm glad that we agree mostly on Jack, though. Yeah, mostly on Jack. Yeah, yeah. I feel pretty good about Jack. To finish up at least my part of the homosexual undertones, Mm -hmm. I wanted to specifically talk about how Legacy talks about Louis. I would love to. Because there are literally two quotes that every time I hear them, I just go, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) What was that noise? It sounded like scared. Not scared and not quite disgusted. Just like, why would you say that? (laughs) That's always comforting. So in episode five... He literally refers to Louis as amazing, and I believe that is to Jack. Oh, he does. Yes, yes. Okay. And then, uh, actually, the episode before that, in episode four, when Louis sticks out his hand to help Legacy up after Bill scratches his back on stage, to himself, he comments Louis' delicate hands helping me stand up. (laughs) Here's my takeaway 
I, I feel like this sums it up, and we can actually debate if you want after you add, but Ooh, okay. there's definitely some power bottom energy coming from Louis mm-hmm. with Legacy being the softest top, which I said earlier, or, and this is where the debate comes in, arguably, Louis is the power top with a submission kink, which he does not disclose to anyone, and Legacy is the reluctant switch bottom who really just wants to sub. Hmm. I think a case could be made for both, but my heart is saying that Lagoshi is a soft dom mm-hmm. and Louie is a brat. I, I feel that, yes, whole brat energy. Yeah, because like, I feel what you're saying and I'm like, I just feel like he's a brat because brats are usually submissive and they are just, they're- But feisty. They're so <laughs> feisty and they aim to get punished. Like, that's the point of being a brat. Make me. Exactly. And so, like, that's when... Louis's mantra. <laughs> Louis's mantra, as he sticks his arm into Lagoshi's mouth, is just saying, dare ya, bitch. <laughs> so, oh. I totally think that. I think for me, personally, the Lagoshi and Louis are just the strongest of the homosexual tendencies in the show. Oh, yeah. But I did want to talk about the fact that there are other, like, there's a, the, so Lagoshi and Louis, Louis is the star of Theater Club. And so wherever you see a theater club, everyone, there's other sexualities in there. There's very little straight. You, you know there's gays, bi's, all of them. All Every of them. single one of them will be represented in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Exactly. Like, I don't know a theater club that had just 100% heterosexuals in it. Like, I don't think, I think that's a myth that that could ever happen. Like, finding a unicorn. Exactly. So I did want to talk about some of the others in the club, because while I don't think they may exhibit straight, like, homosexual, like, tendencies, they do have some other stuff going on. So I wanted to talk specifically about, like, Bill. So Bill is um, a tiger in the show, and he is very angry. So I feel like he... He's a man's man. Yes. And so I was going to talk about that. So he is what I think most people would align with the dom cultural in sex. So he's Mm -hmm. very um, aggressive and likes to push the lines. Oh, yeah. But he's the one... He His is specifically how society views Dom subculture, which is just an aggressive man who doesn't really ask for permission or consent. And... Yeah, he just does. He just does. And that's not really what that is about. So that's why I said, like, he... I feel like he is what is representative of society's idea of Dom culture. And then I do think he is closeted. Like, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I do not feel... He is straight. We never really talk about Bill's uh, sexuality or preferences or anything. We don't really know them. But I do believe that because of the aggression levels and everything he does, I do believe he could be a closeted bisexual man. I can kind of see that. And I I think I might add a bit of fuel to your fire because pretty much the entire scene with the rabbit's blood yes, is kind of low-key sexually charged. It is. And so... That is something we can talk about at another point, too, is the fact that when the carnivores do become in possession of blood and do take part in it, there is some sexual arousal involved in it and it is displayed mm-hmm. in various methods on the show. So I believe Dom, I mean, not Dom, I believe Bill <laughs> is... Bill the Dom, not not Dom the emu. No, not the emu. <laughs> So, Bill the Tiger, I think, is a bisexual closeted, and I do think he is just societal's view 
of a dom stereotypically but i don't Mm -hmm. think i think he in reality i think bill is a bisexual switch I think that's the true Bill. I think that's what we'll see in the upcoming seasons. But he thinks he has to project this... Because he's a man. Super manly persona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, you know, once... Because this is high school, so I I believe at some point we'll see everyone have some... Not sexual relationship, but um, some relationship. That's why I'm thinking maybe closeted bisexual. And I definitely feel like once you know his emotional side, he'd be more willing to be a switch for you. Yeah, but I also don't care to get that close to Bill. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) God. Fuck Bill, dude. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would never want to date Bill. <laughs> but I did feel like we should talk about him because, again, I do think he is, Oh yeah. you know, he's very representative of different aspects of societal views. So I thought it would be good to talk about him. And then I wanted to talk about Lagoshi. While I do agree, Lagoshi and Louis are gay, 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 gay for each other. <laughs> gay, gay, gay. Gay, 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 gay. <laughs> That's how that's how gay it is when I start stuttering. It's gay, gay, gay. <laughs> I do think Lagoshi is a demisexual. Ooh. So I wanted to talk about this. Fancy words. I know. They only feel sexual attraction to someone who they have emotional bond with. I do believe that Lagoshi is a demisexual. Everyone believes he should be with Juno. Right. And who is another gray wolf. However, we also see Legoshi has a preference. He prefers herbivores because they are gentler and kinder, typically, than the carnivores. It's just amazing in that way because I do believe he has genuine emotions, connections, and romantic sexual feelings for both Louis and Haru. I don't think, you know, one's outplaying the other. I think he's a demisexual who potentially has fallen for two different individuals who just both happen to be herbivores and who both display different personality characteristics from each other. Yeah, both display very intense emotions to him. Very intense emotions and so he gets to see what he can't display himself because then he's viewed as a monster by society when he expresses his emotions okay and let's revisit because you mentioned juno let's throw her back into the mix because you can see definitely when she dresses up for the festival yes that he is attracted to her like he thinks that she is beautiful yes you can see that all over his face yeah but there is just nothing there no, there's no emotional connection. And that's why I'm saying, like, I think he is more dependent on emotional bond. So, like, with Haru, he didn't know if he wanted to eat her or, you know, fuck her. <laughs> you know, we all eat have... Eat her or eat her. Mm-hmm. We all have this des- <laughs> the, these decisions to make, all right? Do we want to eat them or do we want to eat right. them? Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? Just that's a perfect time to use the gif of that little girl saying, "Why not both?" Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> oh fuck! And so I do think because like Lego, she he makes it perfectly clear he doesn't. It's not like he feels like she's unattractive or you know anything like that. But he has no emotional connection with There's her. There's just no connection there, so he's never gonna pursue it. He he feels like she is a friend, and I feel like for him it's kind of like along the same lines as Jack of like they're my friends. That's the emotional bond there. There's nothing more right. intense there. That can be intense in its own right, but it's not. It's a different route than romantic romantic attraction yes yeah but bringing in juno juno's interesting juno is a woman that i believe is 
while she does have attraction to Legoshi, and there's no denying that, whereas Legoshi depends on that emotional bond, I don't think Juno does. I think Juno is a woman who loves having someone with her and loves sex, but I don't think she needs an emotional attachment. And she wants the power play of having a another gray wolf mate with her. That one right there. That's where my brain was trying yeah. to connect to. I definitely see her as wanting more of... The status. The status. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because in the society, remember, they're, they are allowed to date other species, but it is kind of taboo. But if you are going within the same species, just a different bloodline, it still changes, you know, how frequently there's pure whatevers. So like with Juno, it's like, you know, pure gray wolves. And then Haru's bully, who is a Holoquin rabbit... It's the same way. She's like, we're both Holoquin rabbits. Like, do you know how rare that is? Like, do you know the status right. of us? And it's a status play. And I think for both Juno and that Holoquin rabbit, I think her name was Angel, is they are both not interested in the emotional attachment. They love the sex and the power attached to the person. That's their main right. goal. And there's, and especially for, we'll go with her name as Angel because I honestly don't know her name. I tried looking it up. Because I forgot to write it down and all I could find was Angel. She's just not that important. No. (laughs) Harlequin Rabbit Bitch. Yes. Is also, I think there might be like an underlying sort of savior complex that she's got because she harps all the time on like we're an endangered species you're killing our species yes and that that just don't sit right with me yes (laughs) yeah but since we've opened the floor to more sexualities i guess we can just deep dive into the general sexuality so Mm -hmm. revisiting my tail comment so louis grabs legacy's tail in episode one and you wouldn't think it's sexual but it definitely is because In the very next episode, when Legacy goes to the garden and quote-unquote meets Haru for the first time, she grabs his tail. Yeah! But we don't get to see it. Nope. Because we saw it between these two characters that aren't intended to be attracted to each other. Whereas Haru and Legoshi are supposed to be attracted to each other, mm-hmm. like in, in the context of the plot. So we can't show them partaking in anything that could be misconstrued as sexual before the time is right. But it's fine if Louis grabs his tail because they ain't fucking. <laughs> they ain't fucking. We want to make sure that Legoshi and Haru leave everything up in the air until the last two goddamn episodes. <laughs> that is so fact. The other thing I did want to point out is that in episodes 11 and 12 when legoshi and haru finally kind of make the decision Mm -hmm. to do the nasty in the love hotel he kind of like opens his mouth slightly and all of a sudden her body wants to jump inside i know (laughs) derailing the whole thing and i oddly enough that is a crying moment for me really why (laughs) is that i know it's supposed to be like a little stressful but it's like fuck like Because I feel for these characters and they just like, you know, we know how they feel. They know how they feel. They just don't know how each other feels quite yet. Yeah. And then she got to go and try to fist him on the wrong end. (laughs) But that aside, I get on one hand why Haru is treated the way she is. Because our society treats quote unquote sluts that way. But Mm -hmm. what does it fucking matter? It doesn't. That she sleeps around. 
And why are people scared of her? That's what I don't get. Why are people scared of her? She assumes people are afraid of her. Like, you are all of what? Two and a half feet tall? Mm-hmm. As we'll get into, you're the runt of your litter of one of the smallest rabbit species. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fuck are you gonna do? Well, I think that's part of it. I think that's something we really haven't gotten to experience yet, in a way. But I also think that she's able to make men feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And make them feel like they could love her. And so for the women aspect, they see that she is able to bring these things out of them. And they like that. But it's also one of those things where a lot of men don't want the same person that they're in love with to see how deep their emotional depth is. So it's way easier to go to someone else and show that than readdress it in a different manner with their partner. To maintain the status quo with the outside. Exactly. We both agreed that uh, Dom is gay. And that is confirmed. Yes. Kai. So Kai's a little one that... um, Kai. Yeah. The mongoose? Yeah, I think he's a mongoose. I think he's a chaotic bisexual. He's definitely chaotic. Yeah, I think he's a chaotic bisexual. And then that's all my notes. (laughs) Honestly, you you could tell me anything about Kai and I'd probably be like, yep. Anything you just said, taking it as fact. It's headcanon now. <laughs> yeah, because he... He's just all over the he's place. He's all over the place. Like, you never know with him what's going to happen. It's not like he's, like, right. it's super important, but he's so... He's in it enough where you're just like, what the fuck's actually going on with you? Right. Who are you? Do I need to care? <laughs> and I think that's one of those things that hopefully will be explored in season two, is a little bit more of these backstories with these people. Right, even though I would very much love to see Legacy pound him into the ground with his fist over being involved in Juno's scheme, which we can talk about at a later time. Yeah. Yeah, with the sexuality talk out of the way, I do think that that transitions really nicely to a character study of our beloved dwarf rabbit, Haru. I love Haru. Yes. (laughs) For those of you who may have watched the show a long time ago, or whatever, maybe you've forgotten or repressed it, because it's it's a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. The very first time we are introduced to Haru and actually introduced to her, um, she is watering her flowers and her roommates throw not only her school books, but her fucking mattress out the window about five stories up at her. It was so fucked up. It was so fucked up. Because then she went back upstairs with her mattress, but as she was pulling the mattress, someone offered her help. And someone else was like, no, no, no. You don't, she's bad. She's bad news. And so we also learn that she has a reputation. Yes. And so when she gets back upstairs, what's interesting is there is a roommate, not one of the two that threw it out. So her fourth roommate's there. And Haru asks her, like, why didn't you stop them? And she's like, eh. You know how they get. (laughs) Yeah. And she's just laying there reading a magazine. And Haru asks her, hey, do you want to go grab lunch? And she's like, no, I'm good. Literally, like, not with you. Yeah, not with you. <laughs> oh, was that the line? Something like that, yeah. It, like, b- fucking bitch. You could have just said no. Yeah, but I think that re-emphasizes the fact that she's the mild one of the roommates. So Haru's like, this is the closest thing to a friend I've got. Right. Which is just sad. She doesn't seem to actively hurt Haru, but she literally wants nothing to do with her. Yeah, she's like... Stay in your lane, and I'm not going to interact with you in any sense. Like, I don't need your trouble on me. 
that's an interesting point. The two roommates that did throw it out are related to the Holoquin rabbit. In the sense of, like, they're friends with the Holoquin rabbit, too. Yes. Speaking of, Mm -hmm. following that scene, we get our first altercation with fucking Harlequin rabbit bitch. Mm -hmm. Where she starts accusing Haru of, you know, fooling around with her boyfriend, ruining her species, blah, 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 blah. And Haru sets the record straight and says, first off, he kissed me. And also, apparently, he, like, came when they kissed. (laughs) Something like that. He got too excited. Mm -hmm. That is her line. And I think she's... She sets off the lake, and he got a little excited when we kissed. Tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I was just say, I've had that happen before. And it's a rare occurrence, so it does tell you a lot. <laughs> Not only is the species probably doomed, but dude probably ain't gonna even make it in when, before he comes. So... <laughs> I mean, true, but fuck. <laughs> you know, relaying back to that, though, is it's relaying to Haru still. And so her boyfriend uh, tells his friends about Haru because they find a white hair on him. And they're like, this doesn't look like your girlfriend's hair. And one of them recognized the scent as Haru. And so he goes into gushing about Haru yeah. and like how wonderful she is, how warm she is, how understanding she gazelle is. gazelle says she is not a sound sleeper. Yep. <laughs> Like, that gazelle, like, wrecked him. Oh, I love it, because he's just, like, fawning over her. Like, you know, she's not a very sound sleeper. As soon as we're done, she, like, gets up and starts cleaning. Yeah. (laughs) And he was shocked, and is... He apparently did not know the extent of the truth to the rumors. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. It's like, it really shouldn't matter, but because... All these people decide to talk about their sexual business. It relates back to Haru and it's like, oh, well, she's sleeping with all these people. She must be a whore. And just that's how she values herself. And um, even Lagoshi tells her, like, I want you to value yourself more. I want you to see the value in yourself, you know, and not keep doing this to yourself. I think in a lot of ways, kind of like the plants, it's one of the ways she has control over her life. She cannot control that she's a white dwarf rabbit. She cannot control that. She cannot control how people behave to her because of how she looks and her species. But what she can't control is how much love, water, sunlight a flower gets. And she cares for them like she would care for a person in her life if someone would actively be in her life. She even says that the plants are like what's giving her reason to live. Yep. In like episode two. Yes, exactly. She is having such a hard time with the fact of who she is. And it's very interesting. And I think that's why Legoshi feels drawn to her emotionally. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting that Haru, when she go- doesn't goes into her internal monologue, a lot of the time her thoughts about Legoshi is just like, she's very confused. She's like, sometimes he's em- he seems so emotional and so deep. And then sometimes it just seems like he's aloof. And... I think it's also because she herself has emotional damage that has made her keep her gates up in regards to her emotions. So even though it's plain to see as an outsider that he's processing emotions and he's just having a hard time understanding how to process them as a carnivore. Because carnivores are innate to be very aggressive. And he doesn't want to be perceived as that. He doesn't want that to be who he is. But he doesn't understand how to be anything else. And like, Legoshi himself, everyone talks about him in the sense of he does 
actively have depression because um the way he talks about it the way jack talks about it is evident that he is depressed and he suffers mm. from depression and that could definitely be because he's hiding you know his true emotions and feelings because he doesn't want to get aggressive and doesn't want to seem as a harmful person when there's a lot of other things to him and he just doesn't want to right. scare people and circling that back to haru i feel like when she's confronted with that windows beach ball of death that becomes his face Mm -hmm. she just literally doesn't know what to do because she's so used to like throwing herself at a man or inviting a man in Mm -hmm. and just like this is the nature of the relationship now and legacy gives her something completely different Mm-hmm. He immediately gives her a sheet to cover herself and is confused about the whole situation. <laughs> she even keeps going back to that day, reminiscing about the fact how different he acted versus other people she was with. And it doesn't yep. make sense to her. I think that drives her curiosity about him as well. And especially because he's a carnivore. Yes. But mentioning, you know, the fact that she can't control what she is, she can only control, like, who she is it's we see the most basic expression of that and the most obvious one when especially legacy offers to help her do anything or checks up on her to make sure she's okay like in the second encounter with harlequin rabbit bitch and after they run away and haru bends down to start picking up the flower in the vase that she dropped Mm -hmm. and legacy stoops down he's like let me help you are you okay and she's just like i don't need your pity Mm -hmm. like immediately and it's just like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) what in pity can you (laughs) yeah just helping but that's she's she's conditioned herself to see that because as we learn in her backstory that's all she's ever gotten is pity and being babied and she even talks about in that flashback about how when she did become of age and she started gaining womanly features she saw how men reacted to her and she saw how she could get affection without you know just by like being a victim or something exactly like she could get affection in her own right just by being herself and being sexually open to them and so i understand in that way you know her is another means of controlling in her own chaotic life to keep herself at peace i think that's the important thing about that it's like she's just trying to get by and be at peace with herself i mean she's Mm -hmm. even talked about she it's not like she loves it but she also does love it in the sense of like she needs some kind of emotional bond of something to keep her going even for like 20 minutes but she does realize that especially toward like episode 10 when she's writing her will out and she's like i've honestly had a really sad life <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've, I've only tried to live my best life but man did i fuck it up somewhere yeah it's actually even more representative when you look at her past with louis and it's just even yes. more hammers in like the difference between her relationship with louis versus her relations with others with the others it was much more control giving herself peace and giving herself power and then with louis it's so odd because she's like he is such a powerful being like he's this he is who everyone expected to be the b star and like be this up and coming person in life and he's coming to me a white dwarf for peace and companionship yeah she also sees like right through his tough guy facade immediately and he's a puddle for her too right he is a puddle until for her. right up until because oh my fucking god we're gonna talk about this now i mean 
I was going to break it up a little bit, but we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Um, so it starts when they first meet because for whatever reason, he decides to seek refuge in the garden as he's shedding his antlers, which is earlier than he expects. Oh, that's because there's no one usually in the gardening club because it was only her. Remember? But yeah, so he attempts to bribe her into letting him stay in the garden while his new antlers come. But she's just like, nah, just help me do some shit and let me clean up your wounds. And so that's what they do. Uh, Louis tries to make a move fairly early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like two days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it happens. And then they have this long history that was that was their first year because they're in the same year. Mm-hmm. Oh, the scene that makes me the most uncomfortable Oh boy. That that doesn't involve legacy. Oh, okay. Is the one clearly they just finished fucking and she tells Louie that she's gonna be having a booth to sell flowers at the festival and she needs like she needs to make money because, you know, she's trying to kick take care of all these plants by herself. Mm-hmm. Louis offers to give her money mm-hmm. for the funds. And she's like, no, I don't need your money. I just need your love. And he immediately stands the fuck up. It is like, my family's already arranged a marriage for me. I have to blah, 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 mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. You've said you, you've, you've already agreed to this. Yeah. And dude, mm-hmm. if she's already agreed to it, do we really need to keep bringing it up? Mm-hmm. And as matter of factly as that, like you can be a little tender, just a little bit. You know what's sad? I love that that made you uncomfortable, but for me, it was just like, yeah, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) I just related to it. I was like, yeah. But it's it's worse. It was worse rewatching it this time. For those of you who don't know, this is only my second time rewatching it, but it's like, uh, or the second time watching it, first time rewatching it. But with the knowledge that comes in a later episode, it hits harder because it is led up to, I think, in the next episode, uh, because I do think it is either that episode or the next episode when she confuses Legacy for Louie during the blackout. Yeah. And then whatever episode that is, the very next one is when she's writing her memoirs and she literally refers to Louie as the man that I love. And I cry at both of those because I am squishy. Well, you're also a hopeless romantic. And god damn. There are a few things that just will get me every time. I can name a few. I don't think I should. <laughs> Literally the scene when she confuses Legacy for Louie during the blackout. Every time I think about it, I start tearing up. My heart breaks for Legacy then. Yeah, it's... That's all it is. And then she's immediately like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he just like, without skipping a beat, I mean, I guess without skipping like three beats, because he does like, oh my god, that just happened. Mm -hmm. But then he immediately like, smile on my face. No, it's fine. It's whatever. You okay? (laughs) Ah, he's so sweet. I think the thing with Haru is... She's very similar to the manic pixie girl stereotype okay. in the way of, like, she's not exact. I'm saying she's similar. Like, some of these aspects, when I just thought about it, it just hit me how similar she is in the sense of, like, I don't need this. I don't need that. And, like, these men are falling helplessly in love with her. And she's just like, I'm not gonna, like, fix you, bro. Like, leave me alone <laughs> if you need me to fix you because I'm not gonna do it. But she does really, she does see something so special special in Louie and that relationship mm-hmm. and it's so strange how much she put into it emotionally and like later we find out how much Louie actually feels actually feels that's definitely for a later episode mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so Haru in herself, I think, I mean, she's a, she's a rapid who I think has emotional issues and she chooses to use men as part of her therapy. And she just unfortunately fell in love with one. And then keeping with the not really wanting to confront emotions, not really wanting to hear emotions. Yeah, what do uh, I need to do? I decided. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, first of all. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, what, what you need to talk to me about. <laughs> but episode nine, I decided to rename. I forget the name of the actual episode. I could probably remember if I really wanted to. But I renamed it okay. to the one where Haru's a bitch who won't let someone else feel their feelings. Fair. Because that's the one where Legacy has finally resolved that he's going to tell her how he feels. Mm-hmm. And he actually says it like three times. Mm-hmm. And every time she's just like, oh, my ears. Oh, I'm itchy. Bitch, shut the fuck up and sit down. Yeah. You know what you're doing and it does not feel good. No. You can't feel good doing it. No. And the unfortunate thing is, I think that was just an auto response from her. Oh, yeah. Because she was just like, no, I don't want to hear this right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just automatic for her. Like, I don't think she even considered the fact that it was Lugoshi saying it to her. She was just like, nope, I can't deal with this. I'm just not at the point right now. Yeah. And again, like, these are, these characters are like seven, like between 16 and 18, I think. So it's like. Yeah, Haru and uh, Louis Louis are 18. Yeah. And Legacy is 17. Yes. And so it's just like, these are very young people trying to navigate situations that most adults wouldn't get into. Right. Yeah. Like being kidnapped by the Yakuza. You, you didn't do that? That was my Saturday, man. <laughs> oh, that's why you fucking did Yeah, that's what happened, man. I got, I got kidnapped all the way. I'm glad your Legacy saved you. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> He can never listen to this. Speaking of the Yakuza and the Shishigumi, we're not going to go into details because that's we've already got a twig- trigger warning. We don't need more. We don't need more. But after that, I want to talk about this little glow up that she kind of has. It makes me very proud for her. Okay. We've already seen her interactions with other bullies like Harlequin Rabbit Bitch. Mm-hmm. That she's not afraid to just be like, oh, no, let me tell you how I really am. Yeah. I love that about her. And when Juno confronts her and is like sniffing all over her, like, oh, y'all didn't fuck. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, do you really think you can make Legacy happy? And she turns around. She's like, I will like make Legacy happy. Just you wait. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yes. Oh, she's like, best bitch. Oh, my God. Juno is such a bitch in that show. Oh, we will talk about her because <laughs> she goes from oh i kind of like her she's kind of sympathetic yes. to oh she's got a crazy streak to full-on batshit i was gonna say the little sympathy you could feel for her was all an act it was all gone because that was and it was act. completely gone by the second time you see yep. her that's not all i had regarding uh pride and just relationships i guess in general yeah I mean, we'll go more into Haru, because that's a whole... Oh, yeah. As we get into other main characters, we'll probably circle back and... <laughs> yeah. Because, again, this is a this is a multi-part series we're going to do um, to lead up to the second season. After we give y'all some time to watch season two, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about that, too. Yep. Because <laughs> I can't only imagine after, at the end of that season, 
what we're coming into. Right. You can always email us at jadedrosespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at jadedrosespodcast and on Twitter at jadedroses with an underscore underneath it. On that Twitter page, you can also find our personal Twitter uh, handles. We do hope that you enjoyed this episode. We certainly enjoyed uh, preparing for it and recording for it. Yeah, reach out. Let us know what you think. And in the meantime, we are pretty, we are thorny, and we are very much over this bullshit. Stay thorny, y'all.